Hey guys, this is Ross with the Hashtag Sweat and Solon Podcast. Today I have Sivar Thordarson, owner of Heritage Coffee in Solon. What's going on, man? Hey, hey, how's it going? Good, good. So yeah, let's you go ahead and correct me if, if we're in Iceland, you would say it how? Oh yeah, for Iceland, you'd say Sivar Thordarson. So but, you're, uh, you, was it, what is the native language there? It's Icelandic? Icelandic, that... yeah. So we have okay. our own language, which is probably a little bit unique anyway, because there's only about 320,000 people in Iceland. But yeah, we have our own language, and you have to be able to roll your R's, which is never, never going to get... The R's is, my, my ex-wife is Puerto Rican, and like I cannot roll an R for the life of me. It's like, <laughs> yeah, not happening. But well, thanks for joining me today, man. Before we get into your business, I'd like for everybody to get to know you a little bit. So obviously, we know you're from Iceland originally. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so I was born in Iceland, and I lived there until uh, I was 12 years old. My family decided, my mom and my dad decided it was time for my dad to further his education. And so I moved to the U.S., went straight to Kent in 95. I moved to Kent. My dad went to Kent State, and uh, we've been in the States ever since. So I'm actually three-fourths Icelandic and one-fourth American. So I have one American grandpa. Oh, okay, cool. So what was your dad studying that brought you here? So my dad is actually a geographer. Okay. And probably like many people, he didn't necessarily use his degree for what he went to school for, but he's been working for a manufacturing company now for, I think, the last 25 years in supervision and different leadership positions. All right. All right. So going back to the Icelandic stuff here, I had mentioned to you, I, I, I think when I... You read it when I sent you, kind of when we were talking about doing this podcast. If you, I don't know how familiar you are with CrossFit at all, but I used to be in the CrossFit world, and there are two really well-known athletes, um, Katrin David's daughter and Sarah Sigmund's daughter. So I'm <laughs> curious, like, if you can explain what's up with the Icelandic names with the Thor and daughter and son. and Yeah, for sure. So in Iceland, well, you get your father's first name and you either you just either add a son if you're a male at the end of it or daughter if you're a female at the end of it. So, for instance, my name, you know, Thordarson, my dad's name is Thordur. So it's Thordar's son. And then my sister's last name is actually Thordarsdóttir or Thordar's daughter. So oh, you okay. kind of know who you're, you're, you know, you'll always know their dad's first name by their last name. Right. And even just in a household. So like in Iceland, my, you, you know, the wife does not take, you know, traditional marriage. The wife does not take the husband's last name. So in my case, growing up, we all had different last names. <laughs> okay. And even if you look in the phone book, you know, you're not going to look somebody up by the same family name, right? So everybody right. kind of calls you by your first name. Even in school, that was actually a pretty big transition for me going to the U.S. Just, you know, doing the more formal Mr. and Mrs., you know, whatever Smith your teacher is. Because in Iceland, you would just say, hey, you know, Lisa or Matt or whatever. Right. Yeah, totally different. So have you have you done anything like traditional with the family names with your own kids? Yeah, so I I am married with three kids, and I married an American woman, and so realizing we're never going to move back to Iceland, at least they're never in the plans, we actually decided to utilize my last name as just all of our last names. So my wife did take my last name, and all three of my kids' last name is Thordarsson, gotcha. even my daughter. Okay. So we Americanized it a bit. Okay, that's all right. I think that probably happens for, for a lot of people, right? Right. So talking about your childhood, well, you have three kids, they're, they're in Solon schools, correct? Yeah, absolutely. You have a 10-year-old, 
son, a 11 year old daughter and a 14 year old son. And so what, what can you, how would you compare like what your childhood was like with, you know, being in Iceland compared to what they have here in Solon? Oh man, that's very different. I think so just even growing up in Iceland, regardless of financial situations with your family or not, it was very different. You, I didn't even know you could lock your front door of a house. It just, it's not something you did, (laughs) you know, and like your cars, you just, you walk out, you leave your cars, it's unlocked and you do what you got to do. And one of the things I always like to share with people is like, you will legit take your child, you'll bundle them up in the middle of winter, you'll put them in like a, you know, a stroller or a buggy and you go to the store and you, and you like put the tire like locks on and then you just go inside and shop. You just leave your child out there. At least that's what, you know, you did then. Um, yeah yeah, so you know it's just something you would never do here and and maybe it's something you would have done like the 50s and 60s perhaps but i mean we were so i mean i was there you know in the 90s and that's what was still going on and but you know since then things have changed tourism is now the current largest money maker for the country it's like the largest income versus when i was there export of fish was the largest there wasn't much tourism at all but you probably have seen, you know, Iceland has been just blowing up with all this people wanting to travel there because it's such a beautiful country. So a lot of things have changed in like the last 10 years. Yeah. But so I think yeah. if you left your kids in the car here now, like you'd probably be like, you'd be a bad parent, right? <laughs> you know, you know, I'd come out with a busted out window and a police officer waiting for me if, if I right. did it here. But yeah. yeah, so I mean, I would go out, you know, and again, so this is going to be, you know, in the early to mid 90s, you know, I would get bundled up, you go outside and you play, you know, after breakfast and, you know, you just kind of like, hey, come, come home for dinner. So don't let the streetlights come on and you're still outside and you just, you just played outside with legitimately sticks and stones at times. Yeah. No video games all day, huh? Yeah, definitely not. So yeah. And in, and in comparison, uh, comparing my kids' lives here. So we definitely have some strong beliefs in kind of the childhood that, that I had experienced because I think it was a really good value and a lot of things that I just learned from it. You know, use your imagination versus having a screen in front of you, doing it all for you. But uh, so we have a place up in Marblehead and the rule kind of you know has always been you have your iPads, you know, for the drive up there. But there's a there's a bridge up there that, that crosses over, you know, kind of like the Lake Erie. And as soon as we hit that bridge, the rule is always everybody give us a technology, kind of like just take your watches off. And the whole weekend is technology free. And I think that was just a huge part of my kids' lives. And if you ask them even today they tell you how much they actually valued that. You know, all they had was their, you know, bikes and scooters and chalk and jump rope, no technology at all the weekends. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome, man. I know, you know, I have a nine-year-old son and I, I it's such a challenge sometimes to get him away from the electronic stuff. I think oh, for, for, sure. for most parents, yeah, it's tough. And you know what, and we can't, and, and it's also would be probably hurting them if we took it away completely or never had it. Because I mean, in all reality, their life is going to be in front of technology at all times. True. That's true. All right. Well, let's get back to you here. So you said your, your dad went to Kent State. You went to Kent State as well? Yeah. So my dad graduated from Kent State. My mom, my sister, my aunt, they all work at Kent State. Most of them graduated from Kent State. So I started at Kent State, but college life just kind of wasn't my thing. So after a few credits, I did not graduate from there. And I chose to kind of just work my butt off instead. <laughs> okay. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, a lot of times I feel like, at least for me, you know, I have 
10, 11 years of college education, couldn't figure out, you know, what I wanted to change, change paths a bunch. And I feel like even when I did get into a career, I learned so much more outside of school than in school. You know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I definitely just feel my wife's a nurse, you know, and I want her to be a degreed individual. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, I want to know when to go to the doctors like, yeah, they, they, they've, they've studied, they know what they're doing. This, this is okay. So I definitely believe, you know, there are certain people that should absolutely have degrees depending on the field you're in. But I also strongly believe, you know, my, my Monday through Friday job is in manufacturing and it has been for 16 years. And let me tell you something, the trades out there, I could not encourage it more than I, than I would now. It's really important to have all these trades out there as well. Yeah. That's, so you and I talked about this when we first met. Uh, I'm going to go back to your, your Kent State short-lived term. So I, I, I don't know if I told you this before. I was there for at Kent State for like one, one semester. Did I okay. mention that? No, I don't uh, think so. Yeah, yeah. So, but you and I had crossed paths possibly even earlier. We both, yeah, definitely in high school. school. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that's so crazy. So, I actually got a little nerdy here and went to see if I could find your yearbook photo. Oh, no way. Yeah. And (laughs) maybe it's just because it's a really poor scan, but it looks like bleach blonde hair here. (laughs) And uh, is that right? And the necklace. uh, Oh, no. Put it away. Put it away. What, uh, what were the what were your musical influences there at Man, that time? Huh? You know, <laughs> I think I had actually just came back from uh, a trip with two friends from Myrtle Beach, and I think that's where that be that bead necklace came from, <laughs> and that bleached hair, and that was definitely that was a home bleached hair job done right there. I, I wasn't going for that color, I can tell you that much. But that's definitely, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a memorable picture. It's definitely somewhere here in my house. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, that's funny, man. Yeah, no, I, I went to Kent for a semester and I was uh, completely fair game It's pet in the past, but yeah, I was on far too many drugs. I don't even know how this is possible to end up with like a 0.04, but it's possible. <laughs> so I ended up switching, got my my act together, went to act and just, you know, lied and said I had never been to college before. So that, I don't think you can come back from a 0.04, you know. Not very easily. Yeah, I think you're better off just kind of putting that one beside your exactly start over. Exactly. I had I remember talking to the advisor at Acre, and he's like, you know, have you been to school before? And I was honest. He's like, but when he found out my GPA, you know, he's like, you never told me that. It's it's (laughs) lucky that this is my last week here. Oh, nice, nice, perfect storm. Yeah, exactly. In a positive way. All right. So you're currently working for Jurgens as a quality assurance manager. Yeah, absolutely. I've been there for eight years and actually started my career in manufacturing in quality as an inspector, but at Swage Lock here in Solon. Oh, that's right. That's right. You told me about Swage Lock. So what kind of products are you dealing with on a, on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, so they're definitely products that probably most of us don't know much about, at least in your daily lives. But we, one of our main product groups, we have three main products. One of them is called a Quick Lock Pen. And uh, so if you've ever been to a concert, you know, you've, these stages have to be put together really quickly and speakers got to be held up and our pins actually hold the stage and the, and the speakers and whatnot up during those concerts. So it's a critical piece of equipment, or even if you uh, are a military individual, a lot of times you, you've seen our product because it, it holds up weapons and Humvees. It's actually the pin that holds up the bombs on airplanes when they're on the ground. So they don't actually get released. Wow. So that's kind of uh, that one of our bread and butter, bread and butter products. Yeah, that's uh, what you would think about, you know, being a product. Yeah, 
Yeah. And then another one is just work holding products. So it's kind of like a vice, but they're high end devices that you put in a mill. So as you are, you know, a machine operator, you need to be able to hold your product down as you're machining it. And we make that product. So it's a work holding product line. And then we have hoisterings. So the hoisterings are going to be, if you imagine, you got to be able to lift a, you know, an engine up, you would screw our hoisterings into it and then put on a crane and lift it up. Those also are used in the military. One of our products actually goes on a missile launcher and they hook up a crane to it and lift the missile launcher up and onto the truck with it. Another application for that is they put it on the side of the airstream units for the military because you have to be able to set up a quick base wherever you are. And our pin or our lifting products are on that as well. So it's, it's a really cool product line. It's really, it's a lot of fun kind of understanding our applications. But when people kind of ask me on daily life, like, hey, what do you do? And I tell them, they yeah. usually look pretty lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how was, was there a big effect there on the manufacturing side with COVID? Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely, you know, many of the industries kind of just went crazy and, and because they were in the medical industry. And fortunately for us, we have four major divisions. And one of our divisions is an uh, automated assembly equipment. And they got into some business with a few uh, companies that were making safety equipment. And mm-hmm. so that kind of took off. And then some of our products are now being utilized in ventilators. And so, or I'm sorry, respirators and ventilators. So it's, it's that part of it kind of booming, but we saw a huge drop in business in the beginning for sure. Yeah. I imagine. So this, the last two products are kind of a pivot basically. Yeah. I mean, it's, so we were kind of in there, but we, so the, fortunately we were already doing business with, you know, companies like the 3Ms and the Gojas of the world. And so because we already sourced in when they kind of changed their product line and their manufacturing, because we're one of their sourced in suppliers, we kind of just, you know, started making other items for them. Right. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's talk about Heritage Coffee. So you, how do you go from doing what you do now to have this idea? You know, I want to open a, a coffee shop. Yeah. Yeah. So actually even like 16 years ago, I still think to myself, like how in the world did I end up in manufacturing? And probably, honestly, anybody that even knew me in high school, they would have never have guessed that I was the individual that would end up in manufacturing, quite frankly. But, you know, nonetheless, the, I ended up in manufacturing. But prior to that, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I think we and I were chatting earlier and, and I told you when we first met, I was to walk from Stowe High School to the what used to be a mailbox, et cetera, and then turn into the UPS store. I would walk there every day after work to do my first job. And when I'd walk that route... I would look at those fast food restaurants there and other businesses and just know like, hey, one day, this is what I want to do. I want to own my own place, you know, and I want to be a part of community. And uh, as I grew up, you know, it, it it went away from the fast food industry to like, you know, hey, I definitely want to own a bar one day. I want to be slinging some beers and doing my thing. And then probably as I started getting to know the bar scene, I realized that's probably more headaches than I necessarily want to deal with. And uh, so later in life, I really started finding this passion for really good singly sourced quality coffee and as we were just going to find places to work remotely coffee shops seemed to be like the place to go and as i was visiting more coffee shops you just start recognizing good coffee from bad coffee and so when the time came uh, my wife and i had made a decision that it was a time in our life that we need to start looking into opening a business knowing that's my passion and we combined the two things that i really loved you know i wanted to be a business owner and I was passionate about coffee and we wanted to bring that to Solon because we had absolutely nothing like that here. Yeah. And as you and I had talked before, there's, I, I think Solon really, <laughs> we need places like that. You know, there's not a whole lot. No, For sure. Not a lot 
conferences or for people just to go and socialize and, you know, or get work done or whatever it is. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. I mean, just like today, you know, there this morning, every single one of our tables, our couches, our chairs, everything was being utilized from, you know, medical students in school, from high schoolers, to, you know, doing their uh, homework from their Zoom and whatever they're doing. It's really an amazing feeling to just walk into your own cafe and just seeing how many people are actually enjoying what you are providing for that community. Yeah, that's awesome. And and so tell us about the name Heritage for you. Yeah, so here, so it's going to go back to Iceland. So as a as a child, you know, we already talked about how different it was for me than it is even for my kids now, and and we definitely know for the last year how different has been. So heritage for me is just like that really that core of my family, and it means so much to me. There's a lot of things in my life that I would have never been able to accomplish without my family support. So in Iceland, one of my most fond memories is just being either at my grandparents' house or even just at our own house. And on the weekends, friends would come over, and these are things that are unannounced, right? I mean, this is before cell phones anyway. So there would be a knock on the door or, you know, somebody ring the doorbell. They come in and there'd be, you know, a couple or maybe even two couples and they're coming in. And the first thing that would always happen is a fresh pot of coffee would get brewed. Some pastries or cookies or whatnot would get brought out. And there is these, these amazing get togethers where you're catching up and you're just enjoying life. And even though I was just a young child at the time, it's the one of the things that I most remember. And I just absolutely loved it. And it was later on in life that I, you know, kind of went back to that memory and thought, wow, that's if, if I really enjoyed that and coffee kind of, in my opinion, brought people together. Right. So if you're coming together and everybody's always drinking coffee, it must be a reason. Right. So as we're looking for places to, you know, open and we decided coffee, I thought, you know what, the reason that we're really passionate about this is because we were trying to find places to go. We were trying to find places to meet up with people. And we do the same thing here when people come over. You know, depending on what time of day it is, but you're most likely going to offer him something to drink. Like, hey, can I get you a coffee and whatnot? So for me, it was heritage. You're like, hey, this is the heritage. This is what I grew up with. This is such an important part of who you know I am and what it is in Iceland. And so we decided to call it Heritage Coffee. Yeah, that's a great way to incorporate that. I like that. And, and if you look at our logo, you know, we wanted to do something creative. So I actually took what it looks like a family tree and, you know, back to the heritage, family tree, you got your roots. But the top of our tree on our logo is actually a couple of different coffee equipment. So we'll have like a pour over piece of equipment. We have a coffee brewer on there with some coffee filters. So our branches are actually branching out into that coffee. So this, that, you know, heritage from where I'm at and bringing that coffee into it. Awesome. So as far as entrepreneurship, you, what resources, I mean, you, you didn't own any business prior to this. So what resources would you say? in the area you took advantage of to, to help you get moving into like, you know, find there's a lot, you know, that it takes. I don't think people realize when you're trying to put a business together, like all the little details and steps that you have to take to actually open the doors. Oh yeah. Yeah. What, what resources would you say helped you the most? So I, you know, I think in the very beginning it, it was just kind of, you know, seeking out what is it that you're really looking for. And, you know, I can't tell you how many different coffee shops I've been to and it was just taking what they've done and everything that I really enjoyed about what they've done, documenting that. And then even documenting the stuff that I didn't care for and saying like, Hey, definitely don't do, don't do this, but do this. And as we got closer to um, opening up our coffee shop there, you, you need to find other passionate 
business owners or whatever field you're going into, find somebody that's just as passionate about it as you are. And most likely, they're going to want to help you out. So Duck Rabbit is our coffee roaster. And I remember six years ago, uh, maybe five years ago, meeting Cal, who owns Duck Rabbit Coffee. And just by going in there and giving his coffee a try, and then going back a couple weeks later and just be like, hey, you know, at some point in my life, I want to open up a coffee shop and I would love to pick your brain, you know, and I'd love to utilize your beans because this is the best coffee I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And those are kind of those times in your life where that person could just be like, you know, hey, like if you're four years away from opening up a coffee shop, come see me, you know, in three and a half years from now. Or they right. could be that really important person in your life that ends up just taking you under their wing and helping you grow and develop. And uh, so Cal most definitely was one of my go-to people that helped me tremendously through this whole thing. And then ended up being, yeah, he's our single source roaster. I mean, we only use Duck Rabbit coffee. Uh, yeah. So, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, and just in all of our coffee equipment, you know, so this is somebody that I look up to, somebody that came from, you know, the West Coast and brought all this knowledge with them. So, you know, I had this utmost trust in him. So when it came to coffee equipment, you know, I was like, hey, Cal, educate me. You know, I can go online and I can look this stuff up and you're going to get a thousand different opinions. But if this is the individual that you really look into, look up to and already has the product that you think is the best thing around, you know, count on those people, listen to what they have to say. And for me, he's a distributor. So every single coffee equipment that I have came from him. It's his recommendation. And it turned into even like right before we opened up, him and his team came in. And they dialed in all of our recipes. And so we had the highest quality coffee, in my opinion, in the entire area. And that's largely due to influences such as him. Yeah, that sounds like a huge influencer. That's that's awesome that you had that kind of relationship. Absolutely. Now, yeah. and that was on like the, you know, this is a, it's a niched industry and it's just such fantastic coffee. But then like, you know, then you know, that's only one of very many parts of opening a business. And, you know, even a lot of it, I was learning as I was opening. And it's like, wow, there's still more to learn. I was very fortunate that as I was looking into this, I came across a resource. So Ohio Small Business Development Center, they have these individuals who are financial advisors, they are business advisors, and it's actually a free resource that we can have as business owners or potential business owners through the state. So I had two wonderful ladies helping me out all throughout getting a business plan together, making sure the area was appropriate, making sure that I was really truly ready for the business part of what we were doing. And that was an amazing resource. Yeah, I actually ran into them too late. I ran into them like three years into business. But yeah, that's a really good tool for, for anyone that's listening that might be interested in you know starting their own thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the Ohio Small Business Development Center. Yeah. Highly encourage it. And there was even a point where I was starting to just doubt myself just because, you know, it's like, what do I know? What, you know, how, what has given me the right to do this? And I would just give them a call and be like, Hey, are you sure this is the right thing? And they would just kind of go, Hey, listen, we can't tell you what to do, but let's review what you've done and what you know so far. And, you know, you would listen to yourself, talk about your own business and you just give yourself that confidence again and be like, Oh, you know what? (laughs) My bad. Yep. I am definitely ready for this. Let's move forward fix that mindset for you. Exactly. Which was so important. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And you got, you guys opened in July. So the original grand opening date was July due to COVID. We did a soft opening November 18th and then we did a grand opening December 2nd. Okay. So pretty right. I mean, that was just a few weeks ago, basically. Yeah. Yeah. We've only been in business for about two, two months. So how did, with everything going on in 2020 and you know, 
the, the idea of opening a business, what, what fears did you have on opening doors Did I, mean, I would assume there was a lot of hesitation with that too. What, what hurdles did you have to kind of overcome to make sure this was the right move for you? Yeah. So, you know, we were pre-approved for a business loan to cover the entire expense of what we had dreamt up for our coffee shop in the month of February of 2020. And then we had signed a letter of intent for the space that we wanted to be in. You know, yeah. we were starting to get suppliers on board, you know, like back to Caledograbbit saying like, hey, you know, we're ready to go. What are the next steps? To just find out about two weeks later, I get a phone call from the branch manager at the bank that said, hey, I just received notification from the Small Business Administration, the SBA, where we would have gotten some of our funding from. And they got notice that 30 companies in the same kind of area as we are in. So we fall under like the food and entertainment business kind of. And so 30 companies had notified the SBA that they would not be reopening after the pandemic. Oh, wow. So as a result of that, the SBA said, I'm sorry, but to the pre-approval that you have essentially is no longer valid. And we're going to be focusing on giving loans out to pre-existing companies to help them stay afloat. So that that's kind of where that July date that you were referring to earlier came from, because that wow. was the original July 13th. That's my birthday. That was supposed to be our grand opening. Oh, um, man. So yeah, that was kind of like, dang, are you serious? (laughs) But, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, now hindsight is, you know, what a blessing that that timing was there because we had only signed letters of intent at that time. We had only started getting order forms ready, but we hadn't actually invested any financial, you know, commitments to anything other than just, of course, all the time we spent planning ahead of time. So, so that definitely, that just put everything to a stop, you know, as at the time, it was just my wife and I that were going into this together. And we just said, you know what? This was probably a blessing in disguise. You know, we have to be grateful for what we have. Let's just move through this pandemic and see what, you know, comes out at the end. And yeah. I think even in March, you know, I don't know that any of us really realize how crazy this was going to be and how long it was going to last. I mean, I mean, in school, you know, the schools even, you know, they sent the kids home early with, you know, a few pieces of paper and teachers left sandwiches and whatnot in the fridge thinking they're coming back in a week. Right. So, you know, who knew? But uh, as we we were going into this pandemic, we realized that more than ever, people actually need somewhere to go that's safe, that's clean, that's, you know, sanitized, that isn't their home because we're all going to go crazy inside these four walls. Right. Yeah, yeah. So we decided to put a little survey out on a Facebook social media page and just say, hey, if we were to do this. You know who's interested? Who's who wants to do this? And or and, you know, and kind of became vulnerable. Or tell us we're crazy and that nobody should even have this mindset. And there was an overwhelming response saying that this is exactly what we need. If you do open such a place and in Solon, you know, we will be there. We will be there to support you. That's so, awesome. Yeah, yeah, I mean, which was just like a reassurance, like wow, this is something we need to do. How do we figure it out? Yeah. So in about, I think it was around August, my dad and my brother-in-law kind of came to me and they said, hey, we'd like to see that business plan you put together for the coffee shop. And I'm thinking like, yeah, yeah, I'm not necessarily willing to share it. You know, it's kind of like intimate details of all my dreams and passions and whatnot. And I just don't know if I'm ready to make myself vulnerable enough to show it to somebody like that I care about so much. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, the reason we want to see it is, you know, your passion has truly made us passionate about this. And we want to see you succeed. And we believe in you. 
And so we would like to entertain the idea of being investors. And let me tell you something. You you, you want to talk about something kind of pulling on your the tear ducts there. Yeah. That was like an overwhelming just sense of just love and care and support that I just wasn't expecting. Yeah. And uh, well, it sounds like your, your whole concept with the, the family get together and the coffee and the heritage and all, all kind of came full circle there then. Because you didn't even know. Like it really did. And just like just take it took me back. And I thought, wow, are you guys serious? Because like at the end of the day, that's really what I want. You know, I want a family-based business. So if you guys truly do this, you've completed my vision. Like this is now a legitimate family-owned business. Yeah. So I went back in and I modified my business plan from being, you know, financed through a bank to being financed through, you know, the family, essentially. I presented it to them. They took it back to, you know, their wives, my sister and my and my mom. And they had some time to think about it. And they came back and I said, you know what, you know, we're your business partners, my dad and my brother-in-law, but, you know, as couples, we are, we're all in, you know, we want to do this. We know it's going to be successful and we want to see, you know, you bring this to life. So, yeah, I'm quite sure, you know, I was wiping some tears away, pretending like it was dust or allergies, but, you know, (laughs) that just hit me in the feels. And uh, so, yeah, we move forward. So as of right now, my dad and my brother-in-law, they're minority owners and the company was financed through the family. That's awesome. And along the same lines with your family, your your son works for you. Yeah. So my 14 year old. Yeah, absolutely. That wasn't even on the radar. You know, I thought, you know, when the time comes for them to work, you know, I want them, you know, I want one of the many, many benefits of this is my kids can work for the family business. Yeah, um, you know, in, in, in a coffee shop and I'll, you know, I'll know where they are and, and, you know, kind of get to make sure that they have stability in their lives. So he has a 14 year old, you know, he's like, Hey dad, what, you know, at what age do I, you know, do I get to start working at the coffee shop? Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, honestly, I don't know, but I was 14 and a half when I started working with a work permit. Right. Let's look into it. Yeah. And it turns out if it's a family owned business and your family, you pretty much can start working and whenever. Oh, okay. Cause yeah, I thought it was a, I thought it was a little bit older than that. Yeah. Um, well, if it's but, family owned and it's family, it's it's kind of like free range. It just that's uh, pretty cool. Do what you want. So at fourteen, though, you can legitimately work for a family company, and so we we decided to give it a try, and he absolutely loves it. And it's just a certain sense of pride when you come in, and you know your yeah. son's right there next to you, living out your dreams. Right. That's awesome. And I think at that age too, that's like a really good way, you know, to learn, you know, management skills and responsibility and all that. Yeah, for sure. Cause you know, even now, so my son, I'm not into sports. I just, I miss that gene somehow. My dad loves sports. My, all three of my kids just love sports and I, I just had, I want nothing to do with it. If it's got an engine in it, I'm all for it. Like plane trains, you got it, you know, cars, motorcycles, dirt bikes. So he would always say, hey, dad, can you take me golfing? Can you take me golfing? I said, you know what? You you work now. So as soon as you have your money saved up, I'll take you to the driving ranges. I'll take you to the golf courses. But, you know, you're going to learn, learn the responsibilities. You earn it and then you spend it. There you go. I like it. I think so I think uh, that's great, man. I think parents a lot of times are, are too apt to just, you know, let the kids take advantage and, and don't, yeah. they don't learn the value of things. So that's awesome. Yeah, I can tell you, you know, he had bought some like shoes and whatnot, and I've never seen him take care of something like that before in his life. <laughs> He's cleaning right. those things and making sure they're perfect. That's right. Yeah, I think he kind of understands now the value of it. Yeah, that's awesome. So th- going back to, you mentioned earlier how how strongly you feel like this coffee 
is the best coffee that you've had. You and I talked a little bit briefly. I told you I'm not, I'm not really a coffee guy. I worked at if I don't know if, yeah, they were probably around when so uh, Arabica Coffee. Yeah. I worked for. There was one in Stowar where we lived, but I worked there for like four or five years. Never drank a single cup of coffee. I just, <laughs> yeah. I and then even like after went through college and stuff, I'm like, you know, I would go to Country Kitchen. I don't even know if that's around anymore. Over by Kent State, and then yeah. Starbucks was around. There was, there were a couple of other coffee shops. But I'm like, it always kind of had this bland taste. And you and I had talked about that. What you know? Why is that? That some coffees will taste bland like that. That is different from from what you guys are selling. Yeah, so I mean, so what you're referring to, if you go to a restaurant, diner, large coffee shop chains, that's all large batch coffee. So they're going to take, in most cases, multiple regions, multiple farmsteads. They're going to put it all into one large pile of coffee beans. They're going to over roast them on purpose. They're, you know, what I would call burning the beans. And the reason that you would do that is it gives you consistency. So the more that you roast your coffee beans, the more consistent they are because you have now officially removed all natural flavors from that bean because you've burnt them. So they do that because their beans come from from so many different regions, from so many different climates. And if you put them all together, who knows what it would taste like at the end of the day. So they take it all together, they over roast it, and it gets this consistent flavor. So typically, you know, it'll typically have like a little aftertaste to it. It'll taste a little ashy, taste, you know, just like a little bit of a burnt flavor. And in many cases, you know, those places are covering it all up with a whole bunch of, you know, generic syrups and other milk products and things that cover it up. So it's not a huge deal. Or people, you know, like I've had multiple customers come in and they ask me like, hey, I want I just want a dark roast. And I actually really enjoy when people ask me for a dark roast because we don't have a dark roast. Uh, dark roast, you're na- essentially taking all natural flavors out of that bean. So only thing we serve and the only thing that duck rabbit even roasts is either light to medium roast for many reasons. And so I love those opportunities to just kind of what I would call is to educate people. It's like, hey, just so you know, when you're getting that dark roast because you really want to get that kickstart to your day, you're actually getting the least amount of caffeine out of the three roastings, whether it's light roast or medium roast, because the longer you roast it, the more caffeine you take out of it. Yeah. Okay. So what I always encourage them to do is like, hey, try this, you know, medium to to light to, you know, or a medium roast that I have. It's a very full bodied roast. So you'll get some hints of like cinnamon sugar and a little bit of bourbon undertones and let me know what you think. And not one person has tried it and not just been over the moon excited of, of the major flavor differences, how good it is. And then it will come back and be like, hey, I'm actually about to go out on an eight mile run can I get that pour over again? Because it really gave me a boost that I haven't gotten before. It's like, that's so cool. It's so cool that I can educate you on that, you know, because it's just a, a different mindset. Yeah. Yeah, but, no, that's cool. Yeah, I, so I mean, that's, and so ours, Duck Rabbit, you know, we, we are part of a program called Farmgate. And, you know, the best beans are grown on the sides of mountains. They get the, they get the appropriate amount of sun. They get the appropriate amount of uh, drainage from the waters. And it's very difficult and expensive to farm those areas. So Farmgate has allowed people like, you know, like Duck Rabbit and the people that we buy from, the wholesalers, to actually to now pay, you know, double what most people will pay them so they can actually farm their lands properly and do it as organically as possible to be able to give us these amazing flavors in the beans and then provide it to our customers. 
Nice. That's that's cool how you know all trickles down and you know there's like a whole systematic approach there. Yeah. Comes back to you. Yeah. That's cool. So you know, I see all these gadgets that you can buy, you know, in stores, Amazon. I see Amazon ads for all these different like I don't even know the terms of these things. You got coffee presses and then the, the one with the glass thing on top. And yeah, I, I mean, do those really affect the, the coffee making process that much? They absolutely do. You know, you got like the Europress, which is a, a system in and of itself. You got a pour over, which is, you know, and you can get, I couldn't even tell you how many different meth, you know, devices to do a pour over with. And then you have like your traditional French press, you know, yeah. multiple people make the products that you can kind of get the end results. And yeah, it is really important to how you brew it. You know, if you're, you know, if you're trying to, if you're the kind of person that goes into the, you know, gas station and buys your 99 cent cup of coffee in the morning and you go on with your day, you're not going to care how they made it. You're just not, you know, you're just in there to get the caffeine. You're probably going to put a whole bunch of sugars in there and put some flavoring of your creamer in there. And the reason that you do that is because you're buying bad coffee and you have to hide it with some kind of artificial flavoring on top of it to make it good, right? Like 59 cents or whatever, right? Yeah, exactly. So, but, you know, if you want to, you know, it's just like, you know, if you are a a bourbon drinker, you're going to know the difference between a cheap bourbon and a nice bourbon. Or if you enjoy wine, you know, you can buy boxed wine or you can buy a nicer wine and you're going to be able to tell the difference, right? Coffee is similar. You know, it's going to be the same thing. And so if you really enjoy and the legitimate cup of coffee, the different methods will definitely enhance your coffee. So one of the things that we do at Heritage Coffee is we have a pour over. So you can get a pour over. We grind the beans in front of you. And then we start the brewing process in front of you. It takes anywhere up, like it takes up to five minutes to do this process. But grinding the bean to the, so, you know, a home grinder will actually kind of like, it, it kind of smashes your beans and it, it chops them up like a food processor. Whereas we use burrs and we actually grind these things down for that perfect size, for the perfect consistency. And that's what I was talking about a little bit earlier about duck rabbit. They came over and helped us tweak all of our recipes because depending on which coffees, because even our decaf espresso versus our espresso are two totally different recipes. We use substantially more bean in the decaf than we do, and we take a longer time to actually extract it because it's just a totally different process. Hmm. So when you do that pour over, and so the first pour that we do with our kettles, it actually is releasing all the gases that get introduced to the beans during the roasting process. Those, The release of that gas is actually what gives you the aroma for your cup of coffee. So to have that ultimate flavor or ultimate smell, that really great aroma, you have to release those gases from those beans. And that doesn't necessarily happen during just the drip coffee process because it doesn't have the opportunity to dry off and release the gases. Because if you just pour a bunch of water on top of there, the gases can't release because, you know, it's just too much water on top. It'll actually capture it. Yeah, it'll capture inside the bean. So that will give you the best flavor and the best aroma and just an absolutely amazing cup of coffee. So when I, when I make my own coffee here at home, that's what I do. I do a pour over. Awesome. So you, you guys have, you, you carry tea as well for those non-coffee drinkers? Oh yeah. We got, we have tea. So the Ohio tea company provides all of our tea. It's all loose leaf tea. And so we have, I think at this point, we started off with six teas. We're up to eight different teas, one being decaf. So we go anywhere from green tea to herbal teas, black teas, like I said, one is a green or a decaffeinated, and it's absolutely phenomenal. Same thing. We do the same 
you know, we follow all the instructions from the coffee supplier or the tea supplier to make sure you have that best cup of tea that you could possibly get. Nice. Yeah. And I want to mention to people too, that one, one of the things I like, you know, I, I stopped in, what was that a couple of weeks ago, just to meet you and kind yeah. of touch base and whatnot. I really like the layout of, you know, the location, like the, the shop, it's it just felt a lot more like open and welcoming versus a lot of the other coffee shops I've been into, like, you know, especially Starbucks. I feel like you're just like shoved in. It's like sardine can, you know? <laughs> so yeah, the environment was really awesome. I mean, it was super clean. Thank which you. is great. But yeah, I mean, I really, I'm sure you took a lot of those influences that you had from when you went around and, and to other coffee shops and stuff. What is the, what's the saying? Like, uh, good artists borrow, great artists steal. Yeah, yeah. There yeah, you go. Right? Make and, it your own. And you know what? And it was just, it was kind of interesting. So when you go into our coffee shop, the register is the first thing that is in there. Now, I'm sure there's a reason why places like a Starbucks, they actually put the register far in the inside. It does it does a couple different things. It makes you walk by other products that you're selling. It gives you a longer line to have people actually be at the register and before the door. So, you you know, you accommodate more people in there and then there's a flow for that. However, so that's a business mindset, which is, of course, really important. But the reason that we chose to put the register right there in the beginning is because we did not want people opening and closing that front door in the wintertime and then all of our seating up front, everybody getting cold every time it opened up or in the summertime, everybody getting hot from it opening up. Yeah. So we put all of our seating towards the back and put, you know, us in the front and, and our temperature in the back is more controlled because of our equipment anyway. Yeah. Huh. And so we chose to do that. And so now when people are in line, so if you go to, you know, even just like the soul and Starbucks, don't get me wrong. We were gold members for many years. So there's, there's a definitely a great resource for people. But when you were studying there, you always had a line of people standing over you. And that's because they were in line for the coffee. And I just didn't want that. So I said, no, no, no. I want these seats to be in the back. So people aren't hovering over you as you're doing your work or having your conversations. Yeah. And then even you know, earlier we talked about COVID, you know, you know, this is a pandemic that we're in and that was definitely an influencer because all of our surfaces in our cafe are completely sanita uh, sanitary and we do that because they're solid surfaces or sealed surfaces. You know, our couches and our comfortable chairs, they're, you know, a, a artificial leather so that you can wipe them down. All of our tables are made out of sealed wood that we made ourselves. All the table legs are made out of metal. It's all so that you can sanitize it every single time after somebody stands up to make sure you're getting it ready for the next person. And we right. even included, so the Halo air purification system. We installed a fairly expensive air purification system into our coffee shop. And every time that air conditioning or the heat turns on, 98% of all bacteria, including bacteria caused by COVID, is actually killed in the air because of the system we put in place. Oh, nice. So those are just all things that are really important to us because we want people to feel comfortable coming there and you know meeting with up with their friends, meeting up with their family, and or doing work or homework. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be a, a long time too before people really feel comfortable. I mean, who knows when you know with the the vaccine that's taking forever. You know, with yeah. the different you know each week with the different age groups and whatever. So yeah, I don't think twenty twenty one is going to be that much different. You know, you know, it really isn't. And, and, and yeah. at least, you know, what do we know? But I really don't think it is. And uh, we've had a few people. So one of the biggest parts that we love about our coffee shop is we support other local businesses, right? So we've only allowed people to sell our products and we only utilize products from people that are local. So our coffee, again, Duck Rabbit Coffee, local. It's a roaster in Cleveland. Our milk supplier is, is Hartzler. 
they're local here in the area. RT down like in the Akron area, it's all local. And so one of the other things we want to do is we want to say, hey, what other local small businesses can we help promote? My Mindful Market does a lot of the products that we have in there. We have Cat Alley Designs. They do cups for us. They do ornaments for us. They do signs for us. Even Chagrin Valley Soap itself, it's a large company. They sell overseas. They're a huge distributor, but they're all local right here in Solon. So our cool. artists are all local artists. Or you know, We have a current photographer that's up there. And so one of the things we did with that is just, hey, let's bring all these people in here. Let's support each other as much as we possibly can. And that's actually not one of the things that we initially thought would be so popular, but people have really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I'd say, I think that's definitely one of the things I noticed right away is that local wall that you have there. I think that's yeah. really cool. And, you know, obviously that's, <clears throat> excuse me, that's the idea here with doing this podcast is trying to just, you know, support each other as local businesses. Exactly. So, yeah. Get it? That's awesome. So yeah, we're definitely uh, excited to come down to your gym, and we got to make sure we're promoting our products with you. And I'm so excited yeah, to see, you know, I know it's supposed to be talking about me, but I gotta say, you know, before I even do business with anybody or you know attach my name to anybody, you know, I kind of want to make sure that we're, we're on the same page, right? So the first thing I did, you know, you reached out. I said, okay, let me check out his gym, and I saw those crazy cool squares on your floor to make sure everybody's keeping that social distancing, you know, and you're taking your precautions, making sure you're keeping your gym clean. I thought, wow, this is exactly what we want to promote. So let's make sure we continue to promote it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'd actually, I'd been wanting to do that for, for a while with the squares anyway, just to make things more organized because it's kind of just forced it into play and it's, it's worked out really well actually. But yeah, I think, yeah, I definitely think, you know, being on the safer side is, is better for everyone. People just feel more comfortable. So I Absolutely. appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, a couple, couple of things before we get off here. I know you talked to me about, you know, kind of expanding a little bit, multiple locations, yeah. other products, other businesses, other ideas that you have. You want to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. So the first part of that is, so as we talked about earlier, you know, we, 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 we didn't start off. We started off with a business loan thinking we we're going to do all of it at one time. And then when that changed, you know, the funding wasn't going to be as high as, as we initially were hoping for. So we're doing the coffee shop in, I would say, three phases. So right now we're you know, focusing on our core, which is always going to be dear to our heart. It's that good quality cup of coffee or tea, right? But we're starting to expand here in the next month or so. We're going to be starting to have some more food items. We're going to have some soups. We're going to have some salads. We're going to have some sandwiches. We're going to start doing some overnight oats and some yogurt parfaits and things like that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so the second phase, so phase two is we're going to obtain uh, a liquor license. And we're attempting to get a full-blown liquor license so we can start doing some mimosa bars on the weekends, even do some Bloody Mary bars. And then, you know, we can have, you know, like a espresso martini and things like that. And we're going to be able to expand our hours so that people can actually start meeting up in the afternoons and evenings and then meeting up for those drinks and some pastries and desserts. So actually starting on February 14th, we're already, we're, this is a uh, sneak peek. Nobody knows this yet. But on February 14th, they're going to be expanding our hours. So we typically are open from 5.30 to 5 during the week. We're actually going to be opening from 5.30 to 7 now, expanding our hours two more hours because there's just been a demand for it. People asking us to stay open later so they can stop by after work and before they go home, they may live out of the area. Nice. And uh, they're going to be opening. So now we are open on Saturdays till five o'clock. We're expanding that till seven o'clock. And even on Sundays, we close at three currently, but we're going to be staying open now till five o'clock. And that's just kind of in preparation for the food that we're going to be offering and in preparation to us trying to get the liquor license. We think that liquor license will bring in some of that afternoon business, the evening business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's <laughs> a glass of whiskey can always warm you up, right? 
And then there's also final phase, phase three, which we already have all building permits for. Everything's already been approved to the city. Everything is the first three parking spaces outside of our coffee shop are actually going to be eliminated. And we're putting in a big patio out there. And the, the windows that we have now currently are going to be removed. We're putting in a big glass garage door. So we'll have that indoor, outdoor feel. You know, all the proper fencing is going up so you can have the alcohol outside. And then we'll have bike racks and whatnot out there. So you can, you know, you can ride your bikes out there. You can drive out there, whatever it is. It's going to be a really cool environment. And that's kind of phase three we're super excited about. Yeah, that's awesome. I think people really like that. Yeah. There, there really isn't. I don't, I don't, I don't even think there's anywhere in Solon that offers that, right? Yeah, I mean, there's some outdoor patios, but, you know, when you're focusing on more of the, like, the liquors and the fine uh, drinks and, you know, mixing that with just kind of like a, a get-together that's casual but not a restaurant and be able to have some right. sweets and pastries, uh, as far as I know, we'll be we'll be the only ones in the area for sure. And then, uh, so that's kind of our plan one for this location. We yeah. would love to, in two to three years from now, opening up a second business whether that's a coffee shop or something else i don't know of just yet but definitely you know kind of the long-term goal the big dream would be you know potentially having three to five locations of some sort of business that would always focus on high quality products giving back to that community you know being a part of the community and being able to enhance the areas that we're in yeah i like the vision man thank you yeah all right. So I think that about sums it up for me. I do want to get, if you want to tell people how they can, you know, get a hold of you on social, what your social handles are, your website, yeah. heritagecoffee.com or what is it? Yeah. So right. our website is a coffeeheritage.com okay. and you can find us on Facebook. You find us on Instagram and LinkedIn. It's going to be Heritage Coffee Solon on the different social media platforms. And then again, yeah, like I said, our website, we use Toast as our point of sale system. So you can go to our website. You can do online ordering. We do curbside pickup. So if you're still not quite comfortable coming inside of other areas, or if you just like to just have somebody bring something to you in the morning, so you have to worry about it, we can absolutely do that. Go to our website or download the Toast takeout app in your app store. And it will be in there. You can place your orders within 15 minutes. I will have it ready for you. We'll either run it out to you. You can come in and pick it up. We, you know, we want to accommodate everybody as, poss- as good as we possibly can. And for for anyone listening to the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So we definitely want to, again, do like you're saying. Let's make sure we're promoting each other. Let's make sure we're doing what we can. So anybody listening to this podcast, come on in to Heritage Coffee. Let us know at the register that you heard our podcast and that you came because of it. And if you do, we'll definitely give you 15% of any drink that you order. Awesome. Yeah. And hopefully you and I previously talked about maybe doing like a, a morning parking lot workout with yes. you know, coffee or whatever down the road as weather permits. So hopefully we can get back in touch about that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, even our cold brews and our even just black cup of coffee, you don't want to talk about getting that energy for that uh, hard workout. We got you covered. Right on. Well, hey, man, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. And I'll touch base with you here once we are offline and, and we'll go from there. Sounds good. Hey, thank you so much for doing this. You know, you know, I promote small businesses and I promote other businesses. And I think the fact that you're doing it is absolutely wonderful. And I look forward to doing some more together in, in the near future. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. And anybody else listening, if you are a you know local entrepreneur, small business owner, or anybody just, you know, trying to do something to bring the community together, please reach out. Uh, we'll get you, you know, on an episode here. So thanks. Appreciate it, man. Sounds good, man. Thanks. See you later. All right. Bye. Bye.